Hello and welcome to the Hockey Hurts Podcast for April 16th of 2021. I'm Ryan Wilson, Penguins writer for HockeyBuzz.com. I'm Cameron Walsh from HockeyHeads.com. This week on the podcast, we will discuss the trade deadline. Uh, not a ton of movement, but I, I do think there were some pretty significant trades that were made, uh, especially with Taylor Hall. We saw a big trade between Washington and Detroit. Columbus getting busy with first-round picks, and the Pittsburgh Penguins kind of um, surprising with what they did, uh, getting Jeff Carter from the L.A. Kings. Uh, I didn't hear his name being talked about too much, so um, that's going to be the focal point this week is all the uh, transactions made. Uh, We'll cover uh, some of the more significant ones, and we will lead off with Jeff Carter going to the Pittsburgh Penguins. And may I say that Jay-Z spoke of this trade way back in the day. He had Nostradamus-like abilities. (laughs) Uh, J. Carter, y'all must try harder. Competition is nada. So good for Jay-Z for uh, seeing this trade so many years ago. Um, I was surprised by it, and at first I was kind of apprehensive about it, but the more I've digested it, at least for me, uh, I think it's a I think it's a pretty good trade. What what made you apprehensive about it? Um, age. In fact, he had some term left, being 36, and, and still had a, another year. Um, his numbers have been down the last few years. Um but you have to also consider what the Kings have been, which is not good. Um, he was dealing with a pretty severe ankle injury back in 2017. Uh, he's probably never going to regain what he was before that. But I think I also saw that he's also um, on a 14-year low for shooting percentage. He's around 6% which is a 14-year low for him. So I think you get some positive regression there. You get some better quality of teammate, better supporting cast. You get a little juice going to a new team. The fact he can play center and right wing. And the fact that after watching him play last night, he's not slow. He can still move a little bit. Yeah, it was interesting because when I saw that we traded for Jeff Carter. I'm like, woohoo! And then I had to go, oh, hang on, this isn't Jeff Carter, Jeff Carter, and his prime Jeff Carter. This is some of the stuff you said. Jeff Carter on a, an average LA Kings team, he's quite clearly past his prime. I mean, I would and, argue those the last few years, LA's been pretty pitiful. I was trying to be polite. No, they suck. Um, they suck to yeah. watch, and they sucked in the win-loss column. This year's been a little better, but... Yeah, and you know, I sat there and I've gone, no, 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 Jeff, Jeff Carter, this could this could work. It was one of the, I'm like, I'm still excited to watch him play because I, I do like what he can do. But if they have to rely on him to be a leading scorer, the team's in trouble. You know what I mean? Well, that, so, that means Crosby and Gino are not playing dead, <laughs> dead. <laughs> um, 
you're right. It's it's a lost cause anyways. Yeah. But slotted yes. properly on the third line. Yes. And that's where you start to get excited about it. Because you're right. He's, he's like, we've got, you know, people like to say, Jared McCann's a Swiss Army knife, right? You can sort of slot him in a few different spots. Well, they've got two of that now. And I would make the argument that I think Jeff Carter's a better scorer than McCann. Uh, setting aside his 14-year low well, shooting percentage. I mean, holistically, careers, yeah, of course, but uh, yes, 2020-21, uh, Jared McCann's got the hot hand. He's a pretty he good has. shooter himself. Absolutely. And yep. it's not a contest anymore. They're both on the same team, so <laughs> it's a good thing. Correct. Yeah, the good thing is... Um, the acquisition cost wasn't wasn't high, and I do like the fact that he has suggested that he wants to play again next year. Yeah, I was apprehensive at first, but like LA is eaten half, so he's only two point six mil. I like they're paying other players like Colton Sevier and I don't know. There's a few players on the team that like. That's wasted money. I think you're going to get 2.6 million worth out of Jeff Carter, not only this year, but next year. And and I'm glad you brought it up because I, you know, talking about the trade, I didn't even mention what they gave up. The opportunity cost. I mean, let's face it, this is the best the Penguins could do if they didn't want to go and use their, you know, I, I want to say their most valuable futures, which aren't really super valuable can uh when you compare to other teams but for them Poulin, laguerre joseph the first round pick next year the second round pick this year they didn't have to touch any of that it's not, uh, not push not pushing out joseph was the big one for me i think he can he can play at the level i don't know how well at the nhl level but he looks like he, he can play he right. will allow them to move pedersen's four million in my opinion yes assuming hextall doesn't pull off another one of his get rid of bad contracts with Matheson kind of deal. Um, yeah. So we'll see what happens there. So the third round pick is in 2022. It, these are conditional. The condition being it will be a second round pick next year if the Penguins make the final and Carter also plays in 50% of the games. Hey, if you're going to the Stanley Cup final, fuck the second round pick, right? I mean, <laughs> correct. <laughs> that's that's the run they're looking to make. You run, you go, fuck the second round pick. The fourth round pick turns to a third round pick if Carter plays in 50 games next year. I think that one's likelier to happen. Hopefully they both do. <laughs> yeah. And it would be a decent trade. But I like it. I, I like the opportunity cost here. Um, the odds of Jeff Carter being like Patrick Marlowe, very low, in my opinion. Yeah, I don't. And it's, it's, if, we, if we'd have done this prior to, them, to, to me getting to watch him play, I might be a little more apprehensive. He just looks like he can skate. He looks like he can get up and down the ice, and he looks interested. Yeah, and it's not like we haven't never watched Jeff Carter, but again, yeah, I'm not watching many L.A. games for time zone reasons, namely. But they've been a complete snore fest for a few years, and even if they aren't this year, 
it's tough to jump back in after you know so many games are just like jesus all right it's late and, and this bonus, is boring yeah and one of the bonuses he might have is that in theory pittsburgh are a little more freewheeling than what la have been right i was about to say you know they, they are more free but sullivan runs a really tight ship you know he might just fit into a system where it's like this is a little looser than what i was in it might provide him with enough structure that he can go and and just play. I think know, last uh, night he mentioned the first period he was in his own head with system stuff, and then in the second period he said, fuck it, just play. Good on him. Because, <laughs> I mean, yeah, systems, but like... It's hockey. Hockey's so many just in-the-moment choices, and you're just following a general script as far as systems are concerned. And if you're in your own head and you're all you're thinking about is system, system, systems, it doesn't work. And a great example of this is actually the punching bag of the NHL for the past month is the Buffalo Sabres, who, of course, lost 18 in a row. Uh, part of that was Don Granado at the tail end who took over. But he has the players less focused on system, system, system right now. And a lot of the players, he's just letting play to their strengths. Sam Reinhardt's at center for the first time in forever. Um, he's doing great. Casey Middlestat's doing great. Rasmus Dahlin's doing great. All these players are starting to look functional again. And, like, they're they're playing not restricted in their own heads. And there's something to that. So Sullivan is a pretty systems-oriented person. I don't think it's to the extreme of maybe um, the Daryl Sutter Kings or maybe even Barry Trotz or something like that. But um, I'm hoping that Jeff Carter also being in a third-line role, you know, maybe more favorable matchups, especially when Malkin gets back in the lineup. Well, that's that's the that's the hope, isn't it? If you end up with the the three centers, that you could start looking at the third line to score a little more, rather than just keep the puck in the offensive zone. It, just to give you it, the other option they've got, obviously, is that he if they want to power up, I suppose, whack him on the second line as a winger or the first line as a winger. Like, he provides that kind of flexibility. It's just that Sullivan doesn't seem to want to chop and change enough, I think. He's not creative with his line combinations. Um, I'm going to be, like, that's what I feel. Now, yep. I don't need Carter to play on the top two lines. That's not part of that. Um, and that's the bonus. That's the bonus. There's no need. I think he's going to play him at center. I think the writing is on the wall that McCann is going back to the Malkin line. I have no problem with that. So it's going to be McCann, Malkin, Kapanen. Gensel, Crosby, Rust is the top six. No no issues with that. And that's why the Jeff Carter trade is good, because it gives the Penguins the flexibility to use McCann as a wing. He's having a great year. Why not put him with Evgeny Malkin, who... Wasn't having a great year, but then really was before he got hurt. <laughs> and 
Now you have a competent third line where Jason Zucker, who was not looking good with Malkin, maybe he can get something going with Carter. And now that third line is not just a, you, a puke central, like, oh, my God, what are we even watching here? Where, where the third line is actually the, the Bluger-Zar-Tanev line. And I've been pretty consistent in my belief, if the Penguins are true contenders, that will be the fourth line. Yes, I agree with that. Or that's where, want, that's where you want them to sit. Or maybe not be married to the Bluger Tanev Czar line. Put Bluger at center on the third line with Carter and Zucker, and let Goudreau center um, Tanev and Czar is a way that you could go about that. If it fit, this, it, it was interesting. At the start of this year, it sort of felt like, in my head, I was trying to find ways to make this a, a competent four-line roster. Now it feels like if everyone's healthy, they've got options. So the, the, the question is, will... Sullivan lean on players that he feels are responsible, don't make errors in their own zone, um, but live in their own zone. Like Jankowski, for example. Mark Jankowski better not be in the motherfucking lineup ever again. Period. I am just saying that, when they're that healthy. is going to happen. That it is, is not. going to happen. I don't think it is. They scratched him the other night. I, I think when they're fully healthy, he's out. I fucking hope so. I don't think he'll play. And that's that's the good thing in regards to the depth that has. I think Freddie Goodrow has taken him over. Well, that's the thing. But he's hurt it's now like too I'm, for weeks, week oh, to week. Everybody's hurt. Um, but you know, I'd rather a Horner in the freaking lineup. Okay, let's talk he, about him. He, he yes. We don't know about him. What we've seen has been positive in the super small sample. His points per sixty is over three. It's only six games. Jesus! Jesus! How can they fucking bench him? <laughs> His um, expected goals and Corsi are are um, comfortably above 50. Small sample, yes. But here's the thing. We know exactly what Colton Sevier, Mark Jankowski, and Sam Lafferty are. The Shit. Penguins... <laughs> Sorry. I thought you were going to be the polite one here today. <laughs> and we know what they are. They're not very good NHL players. The Penguins aren't in danger of missing the playoffs here. If anything, they're almost in a great spot to win the division. Um, and I'll talk about why that might not be a great idea. I know that sounds stupid, but um, with the Bruins doing what they did, um, I, I might not want to face them in the first round if I could avoid you it. You know I don't want to anyway, so um, But they're not in danger of missing the playoffs. The Flyers and the Rangers are so far back. The Penguins still have games against the Sabres, although the Sabres are like the fourth best team since March 29th in scoring and stuff like that. They're They're playing better. It's not a gimme like it was a month ago. But find out about Redeem Zahorna and what you have in him 
when you already know the other answers and this is where the sullivan stuff annoys me what are you worried about has this kid really not played well enough comparatively speaking to the other ones what are you worried about you're you're fluffed in the standings no danger of missing the playoffs really what is stopping you from learning more about this big young player what's what's stopping you nothing yeah. nothing it, it it doesn't make sense and quite frankly these are the kind of choices that bug me about um how sullivan does things and it seems like a small thing because you're you're arguing over potential fourth liners and stuff like that but it makes a difference later in the playoffs. You know, you, you lose a guy to injury. I would want to know if Zahorna can step up and play. But he, you're not going to learn that right now. He's only played six games. Sure, it's been um, encouraging in context. But it's it's by no means do we have any answer on what he is as an NHL player. And furthermore, you're not going to totally know, even if you give him the rest of the regular season, but the more input, the better. And, you know, that's just personally what I would do. And I think he was in the line rushes today. So uh, I don't want to beat up Mike Sullivan um, more because it appears Lafferty's out Zahorna in. So uh, give credit where it's due. He needs to play the rest of the way. I think and and so. playing him, playing him the rest of the way, you are not going to lose enough games that the Rangers are going to pass him. And, and that's if, assuming if the, the Rangers, Rangers win all the games. And if the Rangers do pass you, it wouldn't have been because of Zahorna. Something else will have gone wrong. <laughs> right? I mean, motherfucking redeems Zahorna. Fuck the Crosby Malkin era at the end, man. I can't believe what happened. <laughs> And, and and you are right. The point you made in, in the sense of it sounds like it's it's nitpicky on the edges, but I mean you look at the you look at the those kinds of players that win you games in the playoffs. It's weird ass players that nobody knows. It's guys like Max Talbot that scored two goals in Game Seven that you're not Listen, expecting that to happen. Everybody knew the superstar. Okay, you, you know what I mean. Yeah. But you, I mean, and and that's that's the thing. I mean, look what happened to that guy because of that. It's you get in like I can't see Mark Jankowski doing something like that. Oh hell no, Whereas, he's not going to be in the lineup, so it doesn't matter. True. Whereas Zahorna, we don't know whether he can do something like that yet, and it's like, so why not try and find the fuck out before you you get to the point where Zahorna has to be in the lineup because you're down three dudes. I do want to say this about Talbot, and this is when, uh, you know, me and you both were uh, just uh, posters on Hockey Buzz, right, back in the day. Yes, yes, and this is back in the Mets You yeah. cannot, um, and shout out to Brian Metzer, who was awesome on Hockey Buzz, and the reason I even, you know, started getting into all this. So, uh, Brian Metzer, the OG Penguins writer at Hockey Buzz, was uh awesome during those uh playoff runs and in the comment section on the game seven day and i've 
tried to look this up again, but the comments apparently are gone. So you're going to have to take me at my word. <laughs> I said Max Talbot was going to score two goals. <laughs> <laughs> and he did. But that is still not my best call. My best call is I called the Darius Kasparaitis overtime goal in Game 7, and I said it would be an overtime but I said it purely in jest because it was the most absurd outcome I could think of, and then it happens. <laughs> <laughs> but I called that that one out to my close friends oh. who were all Sabres fans, and they're like, fuck you. And when it happened, they shut the TV off and stormed out of the room, told me to go fuck myself. I think that's fair enough, Art. <laughs> it was so awesome. <laughs> uh, that's shocking. But yeah, Max, some people knew he was a superstar. He certainly knew he was a superstar. Yeah, he was great. <laughs> he was, absolutely. But yeah, I mean, look at us go sideways. But that's why you need to play the guys that you haven't seen much of now, because you're not going to tail off from the playoffs. If you win, the like you were going to say, I've said before on this podcast, I don't want to play Boston. Right? Just flat out. I don't want to play Boston. I want somebody else to beat them, and then we can beat whoever beat Boston. That's the way I look at it. I mean, the main driving force I think we both agree with is the the matchup with Sid. Well, see, this is the thing. It's not even... And Mike Sullivan seems to be okay with it. That part. That's the problem. That's the problem. It's the Sullivan part. It's the stubbornness to not try to get away from it when you're at home is what kills me. You're on the road. There's limitations. I'm fully aware of that, and I get it. But at home, they just... He doesn't seem to care to get away from it. And I, I have to think it's Sid saying, I want a piece of this fucking guy. And um, he, he shouldn't. But you're the coach. I, I know. You're the coach. I know. That's just me speculating. <laughs> but what other... What could drive... Say Sid's not saying that. What, what tactically could drive you to do that? Uh, you run with the theory that, that those two lines wash and you feel that your nine are better than their nine. But it never washes. Correct. It never does. Which is strange because Gensel, Crosby, Rust is a good line. But it's like it's like anything. It's like some some goalies just have a player's number. Some players just have other players' numbers. It just happens that way. Why do some players score more against one team through their entire career when the rosters turn well, up? Well, I mean, famously, they're, they're line mates. So it's... Bergeron has a very good understanding. So does Marchand, for that matter. Very good understanding of how Sid does what he does because they've been on the right side of it. <laughs> yeah, No, I, I do I do get that. But Especially Bergeron. That goes back to juniors. Yeah, it's just one of those things. Yep. Do you know what I mean? Like, it is yeah, just, just one, one of those things. things. One of the best Selkie candidates of the generation. Just seems to yes. be good at defending players. Oh, weird. But Sid, nev- Sid very rarely seems to come out on the good side of that deal, right? Where you could say as a coach, this is a wash. I can deal with the way this rolls. And and, it, and even when they've got Gino in the lineup. But the madness is, like, even when Gino's not in the lineup, they, they, what's the wash? The depth has not been great for Pittsburgh, yeah, it's even w- without the injuries. It's a little better now yeah. after um, Carter, but... Yeah, so, I, yeah, I don't really want a part of Boston. Okay, so... In the, in the first round. While we're on Boston, Taylor Hall. That's the other reason I don't yeah. want a piece of Boston. 
and I think it's going to be a great fit. And I'm happy for Taylor Hall. I know a lot of Sabre fans are, are angry about the whole situation, which is totally understandable. Taylor Hall couldn't score for shit, but nobody could. Ralph Kruger was that bad. Nobody could score. Jack Eichel couldn't score. Um, the only person that seemed to be able to is Sam Reinhardt, who's an underrated player, in my um, humble opinion with him. And Taylor Hall was not playing bad this year. A very unlucky, one of the most unlucky players in the league. Um, he's not a huge goal scorer even in his heyday. So, like, judging him on goals is probably not always the best. Not that he's incompetent, but he scored in his uh, second game. Was it his second game? It wasn't the debut, I don't think. No, I think it was the second. It was his second game, and he's going to get way more opportunities because his quality of teammates going to be there. Um, I really like the fact that he's with Krejci and Smith. Krejci and Smith both having down years comparatively. Smith has been one of the better goal scorers at 5-on-5 five five in the NHL over the course of his career. And kind of did so like uh, very much under the radar in um, Nashville. Quietly, yeah. Um, he's consistently put up 20 goal years and with minimal, I think minimal power play time. So 24, 23, 21 went down a year for 12, not a good year. 25, 21 last year, 18. You know, if those are five on five, that's, that's, that's good. Krejci's always yeah. been good. I know he's getting a little older. Put Hall on that line. The the Bruins have had depth scoring issues. Well, now you got one of the best lines in hockey, and that second line looks pretty damn good. And if Charlie Coyle can pick his head out of his ass, maybe the third line's functional too. If they can stay healthy, their back end needs to stay in one piece, and Tuka needs to not have to go look after family. I don't like the idea of playing Boston. No. Rask is amazing. And, um, well, the injuries to the defense. Uh, Pittsburgh would would have an uh, advantage there if, if Pittsburgh were to be healthy. Um, I could understand the Crosby-Bergeron um, matchup a little bit more if Malkin's in the lineup. If Carter is with Zucker... Um, and uh, I don't know. Would it would it be Rodriguez? Uh, probably. I mean, I'm not a huge fan there. Um, I think Rodriguez is a 13th forward. Pretty, pretty good to have. Um, third line, eh. But that's still a third line that's more functional than the, what the Penguins have had. And the Penguins have not been bad overall against Boston this year, but I would like to remind folks, in 2013, the Penguins were 4-0 and against the Bruins in the regular season, and we know what happened in the playoffs that year. So, regular season records don't really hold up. No. So. And I would prefer to get the opportunity to get to the second round and have a crack. 
So I like the trade for Boston, obviously. And I think if things go well, they'll have an inside track to sign Hall. He does, Hall doesn't strike me as like the I'm going to go out of my way to break the bank. He's going to get paid. But if things go well, I think he's just had such a shit career as far as teams. If they do anything I, positive, he'll just be like, wow, this this is good. I'll be very like curious. <laughs> I'll be curious to know how his career is treated if he wins a couple of cups at the tail end of his career. Not that he's at the tail end. Because his numbers have been good. If you look at his advanced numbers, they're better. But he's played on a lot of teams with losing records. And right now, you can see, you look across the Twitter sphere and hockey and all that kind of stuff, and across the punditry and hockey. And, he never, and he never to... quite cracked, like, Canada's um, international, like... Yeah. So, I sit there with it, and it... About that. And I wonder how he's going to be treated by the Canadian media. Well, because... What was that? They're dipshits, anyways. I know, but you know what I'm saying. It's like you not all of them. Look, I'm, I'm, that's a blanket statement. You are generalizing. Yeah, he never but played I've... on any of the Olympic teams, which is yeah. Just, I mean, that speaks to the Canada quality. more than him. <laughs> yeah. So you know, getting him. Shane Doan. Shane Doan is like a god. In regards to who he was Shane considered, you know what I mean? Shane and he didn't win shit. Yeah, and he didn't win anything. And yet, Hall, who has had a, a different career in the sense that he's hopped around a little bit now, um, I just, yeah, I don't know. It, it would be cool to see him win it. I just would like him to win it, not this year, because we're running out of years as a Pittsburgh fan to to win a cup again. And I know that's very selfish, but that's just the reality of being a sports fan. Yeah, so yeah, I'm I'm certainly, I think highly of him as a player. So it's going to help, and whoever gets the Bruins, it's going to be tough. So um, the other team, Penguins could get, Washington Capitals made a pretty <laughs> big move, picking up Anthony Mantha, who's a, a really good player in his own right from the Detroit Red Wings. I believe he's um, he's older than you think nowadays. Um, what is he, 25, 26? I think so. I just can't look out why they got rid of Rana, but that's a... So they wanted a more bigger physical player, um, and bigger physical player. he's 26. Bigger physical players that are good, like Mantha, they're going to cost you. <laughs> right? Because there's no blind spot among GMs with big physical players who are good. This is very true. There's not a single one that's like, oh, well, that one got by me. Huh. Um, <laughs> but I do want to say, like, his career high is 48 points. Good player. His career high in goals, 25. Same. He had back-to-back 48-point years. Um, one being in 67 games, though, the other being 80. So, 
Um, that was 18-19. Last year, he had 38 points in 43 games, so pretty good. This year, 21 points in 42 games. So, But Detroit, obviously, tough place. Now, good player, no, not dissing his abilities. Cost to acquire. Oof. Jacob Brana is every bit as good as him and in a different way. Yeah, and that's the thing that I found interesting about the trade. So it's also Steve Eiserman. So you pick up the phone with him. You know, you're playing with fire a little bit. <laughs> and so even Brana for Mantha straight up would be decent trade. Like that would be a hockey trade. Richard Panic, I understand they're dropping him because uh, money, cap space, Detroit has plenty. But he's not, like, he's fine. So that's another player Detroit can put in and, and play. But shit, the first and second round picks also? Holy cow. Detroit did it's, really well here. Yeah. You, you do sit there, and if you look at the Capitals in their timeline similar-ish to Pittsburgh's in, in some aspects. They've gone the whole, we've only got a couple of years left, let's go all in. And that's fine. It is. Um, it seems Detroit, like a, a that, lateral well. move, though. And yes, you're throwing away so. futures. So it's a Rutherford move. <laughs> yeah. Kind of is. <laughs> yeah, I just... I, I, I think for me... I I see more value in Verana than Manta. And they're stylistically different players, they're physically different players, but I think you're splitting hairs. Yeah. I think they're but they're you know, close. But again, that, wildly different styles. So and fit does matter. I think I think sorry. Mantha is a very good fit for Washington. But I didn't think Verano was a bad fit either, so there's Yeah, that. reading up on some of that, it sounds as though Verano was just copying the traditional, he's not responsible, he's not defensively doing enough, those sorts of arguments, and I think he might have worn his welcome out with LaViolette. Yeah, you definitely want to uh, trade 25-year-old offensively gifted players because the coach that might be there two or three more years doesn't like them. Yeah. And and that, to me, I think is why I'm I'm worried about that trade itself. Because you're right. Mantha and Verano, in regards to their output, pretty much a wash. I just think Verano fit in the lineup better than what Mantha will. I could be very wrong with that. Well, Cam, uh, Mantha has two goals already. I, I know. I'm well aware of this. I know. So, take that. Slap you down. So, you know, both players are good. I just think you throw the first and the second round pick in there, it wildly shifts to Detroit doing better there. Yep. Because last year in 69 games, Verona had 25 goals and 52 points. Like, is that not Mantha's output? <laughs> yeah. No. So. 
And he's got 25 points in 39 games this year. He's not, like, completely off the... No, no, no. So, I like that trade a lot better for Detroit. Um, I think Mantha will do good things in Washington, so... um, Yeah. I just think they... You keep Verona and you throw that first, second round pick and use it a little differently, but hey, is what it is. Um, so, I guess next on the agenda, Blue Jackets, I thought did really well, considering everybody thought it was a buyer's market. Um, Columbus picking up first round picks for guys that are kind of meh. Yeah. First, David Savard, yeah. who was like the darling of the trade deadline. This one was so confusing to me. I'm just like, I understand that, of course, he was, the way they ranked it was he was likeliest to move, and I agree with that. But like, he's a defense first, and mind you, good, good defensively. No problem with Tampa using futures. This is their window. Um, they're all in. They're cheating with Kucherov. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You know, they used their first-round picks for Barclay Goudreau and um, was it Miles Wood? I think so. (laughs) I can't remember. Oh, I know. Blake Coleman. Sorry. Blake Coleman's on the Lightning. Yeah, you're right. Um, My bad. So using draft capital to get some, some players like that. I just don't – Was is David Savard really – like the Tampa Bay Lightning need him for that acquisition cost? I mean, they could do – they're the defending champs and they, um, you know, have the ability to do that with Kucherov on uh, injured reserve and, you know, coming back for probably the first game of the playoffs. Um it just seemed like a weird target for them. I don't know. The 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 LTIR, Kucherov, Stamkos, Marion Gabrick, Nielsen, and Jan Ruta. That's hilarious. I I don't I don't. Stamkos just went on it. He's legitimately no, I, hurt. I, yes, no, and no, that I, sucks. I, I saw that. Yeah. And he's a tremendous player, and you know to miss most of their cup run sucks for that guy i was thrilled absolutely thrilled he scored because i I think it might have even been the game winning goal and i'm not gonna remember that i'm just saying from like uh i've been with this franchise forever i get hurt i can't play they go on and win how much of it do you really really feel part of it but to play score that goal going upper dog the way he did um, and have it be a meaningful goal that propelled them to uh, a victory, even if he really couldn't play much more. He's officially part of that run. And I always, I always felt really great for him to, he can hang his hat on that. Like I, I did something when I could instead yeah, of just no, being no, on the yeah. sidelines the whole time. Because mentally, that would be kind of fucked up to get your ring and your cup and you didn't play at all. Um, and I really feel bad that he's back on the the long-term injured thing. Um, that bummed me out the other day. He's had a bad stretch here. He has. I still can't see why they got Savard, though. Like, it just it doesn't... Should have got Denny Savard. What's he up to? <laughs> 
Yeah. They just they're so they're so deep that I suppose you get there and go having a, an extra NHL quality defenseman isn't a bad thing. So you're not going to get through the playoffs injury free, as we've discussed. So having him there is fine. I just feel like targeting like the most prone guy to move that had a little bit of market value because of that. I feel like the Lightning didn't need much for insurance. Maybe they could have gone a different route and not paid quite that. Yeah. But, you know, if there's a team that can eat that cost and come out the other end just fine, it would be them. They know how to manage their cap. We know that. Yeah, they've done pretty great. So, the other Columbus move... Nick Foligno, they get a first and two-fourths. I don't understand the Foligno deal. So I'm going to do the classic. Taylor Hall only went for a second-round pick. Um, that He had a full no-move clause, so if he wanted to go to Boston, that was kind of going to happen. But it's, it shows how silly some of this stuff is because the Leafs don't need Nick Foligno for a first-round pick. Like, they would have been better off doing Jeff Carter. <laughs> I think, yeah, I, I think so as well. Nick Foligno like is... is, like, he's decent NHLer for a long time. But if you're bringing him in for, like, this physicality and locker room and and it's like well he, i i just want to put the shoe on the other foot for once and just say you know this guy and all these intangibles be, and he was the captain for the blue jackets forever what what did they get the blue jackets yeah now you know that's kind of a dopey look at it too because <laughs> he's an individual and a team i think that if I was Toronto, I would want to look for a more offensively minded player, which, um, you know, I didn't mention before with the Jeff Carter stuff. That That's another reason I like that is because Jeff Carter's not known for being defensive. He's known for his offensive abilities. And I'm always going to lean that way. And I'm not saying someone like Nick Foligno can't bring something to the Maple Leafs, but feel like if they just doubled down on their strength and came at waves and tried to mimic a 2015-16 Penguins kind of approach, it could have gone really well. I, it, it, but they, they got I Wayne Simmons, feel, who's older. They, now they got Foligno. I kind of... Well, they've got Galchenyuk. Actually, um, he's doing quite well. They did yeah, a good job uh, yeah. sending him down, building him up. Um who knows how long it lasts, but for right now, Alex Gelchenyuk's playing the best hockey he has since, what, uh, Montreal? Oh, probably. He's 27. Yeah, he's old I now. feel like he's... I, well, so that's the thing. You, you say he's old now. I honestly feel like he's over 30 because he's hopped around he's and... He's played on... And, he's chasing down Corey Stillman for the amount of teams yeah, he's playing on. but he's... It's like he's gone into a situation where he's obviously wanted to be better than he was from the previous situation, and it just feels like it's been such a rinse and repeat that he's done it for so long. I thought he was over 30. 
Like, and he played on the Penguins. Like, I should have known how old he was. I, it's just, yeah. So I hope for his own sake that it, it, it goes well. You don't want to see people fail as a general rule in life. So hopefully it does continue to go the way it is. But I, I feel like Dubis is in a tight spot in that I think he would like to do what you mentioned. But I feel like he just gets quartered into this nut. You've got to do it a particular way or it won't work. One, because he's in Canada. But two, he's in Toronto. Like he's in the hockey hotbed. You just you get run out of town. You lose his. Just, yeah, I but just that's think it's, that's. Don't try and placate the idiots I, because no yes, matter what you, you do, like that. No matter what you do, they're still gonna. But it might not even be be disingenuous about their criticisms. So he's and brought in. Not... He's brought in Simmons, Felino, um, to, for that. You know. Well, you make the grit. argument that's what Spezer and Thornton were in for is for that experience, that teaching the young guys how to do well, shit. Well, Spezer's actually stuff. still pretty decent for what yes, his no, role no, is. I, Thornton, I understand. for 700K, yeah, all day. Um, but Felino, Simmons, um, Bogosian, this is basically like indirectly and i don't think intentionally hey fuck you steve simmons we're trying to do some of this other stuff so go fuck off <laughs> the it's that's i think at times it's not even deliberate though like it's just the environment you're in all the time it just seeps into your brain via osmosis and you can't avoid doing it Because it's all you hear about with this Toronto team. Ah, they need experience in there to get the young guys to know what they're doing. They need some toughness. You can't just score your way through a Stanley Cup. Pittsburgh would like to disagree. Well, they're only paying that. Phil Kessel $1.2 million. What's he giving them, huh? <laughs> I forget about the uh, retained salary. Oh, that ends next year, apparently. Yeah. Phil's scoring yeah, just... goals again this year. Yeah, Phil's just awesome. I mean, that's all he's doing. And, you know, underlyings aren't great, but I, I was happy to see his goal scoring go back up. So, I don't know, is it a wash, this trade, in regards to, to what they actually get for what they needed? I just, I don't uh, know. It's, it's an right. overpay. But that's the trade deadline, I suppose. But an overpay for a team that isn't, like, they're smack bang in the middle of their whole we-should-be-winning-stuff moment. Right? I just think if they made a strong run at... Like, they offer Buffalo the first-round pick for Taylor Hall. Is Taylor Hall really so dead set on Boston he wouldn't go to Toronto? Toronto, he's going to he's gonna play with John Tavares. Or Austin Matthews. The, uh... Like... Is that what really do do? go to go, go to Boston because you know that if if Toronto have to play Boston in the cup in the um in the conference finals they're going to beat them because they just can't beat unless Boston. you don't and then you get blamed. Well, yeah. <laughs> flip side. I don't know. You're right. Like I I get your argument. He had total control and you know. Well, I, I guess say, my yeah, point is here is: Would Taylor Hall really reject Toronto? 
I think that's no, a really I, great situation too. Yes. I can't he's really Canadian, see that being Toronto, you know. But he said he didn't want to be the guy. Well, you're not going to be the guy. Austin Matthews, John Tavares, and Mitch Marner are going to take the heat there. And, you know, for some reason, they give William Nylander shit, even though he's pretty great. <laughs> yeah, that one confuses me. Um, yeah, so I stylistically, I would have gone a different route than... And I'm not saying even, like, Taylor Hall or Bust, but, like, I would have gone a different route than the Felino thing, but... You know, we'll see. I think Dad played there, if I'm correct. Yeah, I saw a lot of that through my Twitter feed, how awesome it was that he's coming back home and all that kind of stuff. And it's well, like... coming, coming back home would be Buffalo, for that matter, but yeah. not a fire. The, the thing that's interesting with hockey as a rule is the way they overemphasize... Nepotism. Things. <laughs> we'll get nepotism and like with the pet when Crosby scored that goal against the Flyers yesterday the way Twitter went on about how amazing it was that the assistant equipment manager did what he's supposed to do I'm okay with that listen they are never I've never seen an equipment trainer not be ready for that and that's amazing to me because you can get even coaching, when I'm coaching, you can kind of get lost watching the play a little bit. But to to see, and you don't always have a great view on the bench from your defensive zone in, in that period. I think it was the second period, if I'm correct. So you're on the opposite side. Yeah. So to, to see, and, and it's not like they're letting the equipment trainer be close to the boards up on the bench, like a great view at all times. So Sid gives the stick away. Boom, that stick is out there. He gets it. Obviously, um, you know, the, the situation played out perfectly for the goal to actually happen. Yes, of course. But yeah, yeah, yeah. those guys are always on it, and I've never seen them not be. And um, I'm coming at this from a personal level because um, a good friend of mine who I played college hockey with is – works with the Sabres in the same role. Um, and one of my good friends I played hockey with, his younger brother is in that same role for the Devils. So I know two equipment trainers, and I know how hard they work um, behind my the scenes. My argument is not any of that. What's that? My argument is not any of that. No, I think but the, to have amazing. that moment, because yeah, it's I a agree. lot of hard work. Not a lot of glory, and if you can hand Basically, a stick, if you can hand a stick to Sidney fucking Crosby, and two seconds later he scores a goal and the bench mobs you, that's a good feeling. When really you're most of your days dealing with stinky ass hockey equipment and lugging it around physically. So basically, while she shut the fuck up and let the man have his day in the sun, I think so. Yeah, because <laughs> it's not a glorious position. No, I get, I get what you're saying. I, everything you said there, I should take back my my snark. So fair call. Um, yeah, and and I'm just thinking at it from his stand, uh, John Tagliani, oh, who's Peter Tagliani's son. Um, 
to hand it to that player and have that happen, I mean, the stick went right back in the locker room. He's going to get to hang that hang that stick up in his house or apartment or whatever and forever Sid's going to sign it. And yes, he, that is awesome. And the public address, Ryan Mills, the public address announcer, announced him for an assist <laughs> <laughs> on the loudspeaker. So, like, it's it's good. The, I would say the thing that bothered me more in that game was, uh, <laughs> to get completely sidetracked, was um, Mike Sullivan comments after the game they were weird um let me track them down penguins you're tweeting too much oh there we go oh, it was, it was it's hard to that. score your way to success yeah. in this league you've got to be willing to defend the play and play on both sides of the puck if you're going to win consistently i think this group understands it and they're willing to make the commitment mike you gave up one fucking goal and lost. <laughs> what? What? Yeah. It's it, it, I. It's not a total disagreement. Like, yes, you have to be able to defend a little bit. But you only gave up one goal and you lost. Is that really the time to call up? You, you need to know how to defend. No, man, you need to score more than one goal. That's what you need to do. It generally helps. So, anywho, uh, I think, I, I, any other deals, deadline, that you think are significant, worthy of? Nah, not really. It, like, like you said, like, it was quiet, um, but stuff got done. It's just, obviously, no cap space, and then teams... Not really sure whether they're in or they're out, which is funny because if you have a look at the standings, it's all pretty much decided. There's only like a couple of chances where it might go sideways for a couple of teams to miss or get in. So most of the playoff races are pretty much done. I mean, I the Rangers so. and Flyers, teams like that can pretend all they want, but you got what, 13 games or so to make up a lot of points, assuming, like, you win all the time and the team you're chasing yeah. loses? Because you, 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 you look at look at St. Louis and Arizona, right? St. Louis are, are fourth at 44 and Arizona are 43. But Arizona have played two more games. So that looks like it's close. But I would bet... Arizona's got a, a easier schedule, though. Yeah, blues, blues are still... blues are going to run the gauntlet of, um, I think Tampa, Don't say Colorado and Vegas. Or wait, okay. am I in the wrong division? Yeah, okay, yeah, they are playing Colorado and Vegas. Oh, okay, they might struggle then. Yeah, St. Louis has got a tough, uh, tough sled in the head. Tough run home. Yeah, okay. I can pull this up moment. They're playing tonight though. I think those two teams. So big game. Yeah, they are. Tomorrow. Sorry, tomorrow is Blues and Coyotes, which is big. Yeah. So, after they play the Coyotes, would you like to know their their next three games? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Give it to me. Colorado. All of them. <laughs> oh, bullshit. <laughs> All right, well, that... And, that, and then it's Minnesota, games. who's, you know, no pushover this year. Yeah. 
They that those three Colorado games four Minnesota in a row, couple against the Ducks. Yeah, sure. Two against oh, Vegas. And then they close Kings Wild. So a lot yeah, of games against the Wild. Three against Colorado. Le- two against Vegas. Legitimately, I legitimately thought St. Louis were quote unquote home and hosed because of the games played. You know, I thought they just if they went five hundred through, they'd be fine. They might not go five hundred through that schedule. No, they haven't had good goaltending this year. They're not really that great. Well, maybe they're not as set as I thought. Yeah, no, I'll just. I love, I love Micah's, I love Micah's playoff probability graphs. Yeah, and they're the great. Projection graphs that he does. And, and yeah, all right. All right. So That's interesting. Man. The Coyotes have they play St. Louis tomorrow. Two against Minnesota, Kings. Two against the Sharks. So, you know, that's better. Uh, they do have a game against, a couple games against Vegas. But then it's Kings and Sharks to end two apiece. They've lost five in a row, Arizona. Oh, have they? Like, okay. Well, Phil's going to... No, 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 but it's, it's the thing with it. It's it's like, have they just come out of a really tough schedule? Or have they just tent, like have they just lost the plot sort of thing? But that entire... That... Honda West division. There's only three teams that have got a, a plus on their goal differential. The rest of them have all <laughs> Which is had hard to so do. many. <laughs> hard to do. I guess the it top is. two teams are that good where they're just dummy and people. Well, see, now this is the thing. Yes, Colorado and Vegas are good, and Minnesota are good, right? But are they are they being overestimated because there are some tire fires in that division, and that's all they're playing is that division. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, to your five-game losing streak, two against Vegas, one against Colorado, one against Minnesota with the Kings mixed in. So that was their hard part. Yeah, you could reasonably suggest losing four of those five is, you know, yep, I can't understand. Losing to LA doesn't help their cause. So, I don't know. I just... I think Colorado are the best team in hockey going around at the moment, right? I'm not disagreeing with that. But are they as awesome as everybody's making them out to be, considering that five of the eight teams in that division have a negative goal differential? I think Tampa and Carolina can give them a run. Yes. Or even Vegas, depending. Flurry's having a really good year, so if Vegas can get goaltending... Um, and they have from Flurry. Uh, they're dangerous as always. Yes, I I would really like to see Carolina win it all if Pittsburgh can't, and that's mainly just because Storm just got to his thousandth game. He is currently captain. It would be awesome for me. As oh, for him to be able to. to is yes. he the captain? Because I mean, it makes yes. sense. Yes, he is. It's it's interesting how that sort of worked, like how that all sort of panned out, but. Yes, there's a... Yeah, but they fucked me over when we were in Vegas by scoring in the fucking shootout on Flurry. Should have known better. (laughs) I told my brother to bet on Flurry because he's great in shootouts. And he is. He's probably the best of all time. Of course. Of course. It's the Casparitis. It's the reverse Casper. Yeah, I guess that's true. You can't win them all. So... (laughs) All right. But yes, there's a reason I'm getting married in. No- I got married in November. It's because of his number. <laughs> and 
And uh, Kunitz? Yes. So it's very easy to know what, to, for me to remember my uh, my anniversary. 29-11-14. Keeps it very simple. Very nice. And I knew that. All right, you got to go, don't you? Yeah. So um, it'd be interesting to see how... Um, most interested about Taylor Hall in Boston. I think that's a, a very interesting. Uh, Penguins are going to have to probably deal with Anthony Mantha in the Capitals, so that's very relevant. But Jeff Carter, I'm on board for it. I think the risk-reward is proper. It's about the best they could do for what they had to spend. Uh, no problems with trying it. So we're going to see where this goes. I'm hoping this does not take the same arc is Mark Jankowski's debut, which was positive, <laughs> and we know what happened, <laughs> and we know what happened there. But I'd like to think Jeff Carter has a better track record than Mark Jankowski. So I hope you are right. So that will be the podcast this week. Thank you as always for tuning in, and we will catch you next time. See you guys.